Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Power Rangers! <laughs> Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 4 of the Jetman with the Golden Gun, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Shoujin Sentai Jetman. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? Doing real well, man. It's a beautiful day out. Oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah, my theater class had a rousing discussion on the character of Othello. No, we can't ask for a better day than that, can you? I, you know, Matt, uh, <laughs> I said it as a joke, but it's hard to top. It's hard to top because we just talked about Othello. Just 45 minutes, high school kids discussing, like, who's Othello? What's up with this guy? Uh, it was very gratifying. Right on. There's, well, there's, no, <laughs> there's no joke there. Okay. I just felt great about my job. Uh, well, Dave, there's another thing you should feel great about, and that is our officially award-winning officially. opening segment. Dave, it's time. Shining in the heavens, there are five stars. And would you like to know what our first star of the day is? I would love. Nothing would please me more. Oh, man, Dave. We are in fall, like, hardcore now. This is full-on autumn, and it's great. I think oh, it my might gosh. have actually been fall for, another, like, a week or two. Uh, I actually, I don't know. I don't think it's... Like technically, I don't think it's actually fall yet. The seasons always start way later than you think they do. Like than one does, than I do. I well, think we just we just start... had the autumnal equinox like a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and I thought that no, was I the know. official start of fall. Dude, like winter always messes with me because winter starts like December the twenty eighth or something stupid. So I I don't know, but yeah, it is like in Cleveland at least it's fall. Right, it's it, like is, it is as we record this. It is October first, oh, and yeah, that's today right. is the first day that it feels like fall. I wore my jacket to work. Yeah. I am. I just pulled out my new fresh pair of uh, fingerless leopard print gloves that I wear around the house during the winter. I had to replace the old that. pair because I wore them. I literally wore right. them to death. I really dig that you have managed to turn the fact that your apartment is cold into sort of like a seasonal celebration. Like, ah, it's time to break out the old fingerless gloves. Dude, this apartment isn't even that cold. It was the last one that was cold, and I just got used to wearing them. And, and now, now it's, just... it's just what I do when it gets cold out. And I just happened to have them, as I mentioned, I, they are leopard print. I got right. them for like a Doctor Strange costume I had years ago. They have mm-hmm. worn out, and now instead of getting a different thing, I'm just so used to having the leopard print that I had to get a new pair that is exactly the same. <laughs> Man, I already knew that story, and I'm still laughing about it. Um, yeah, so, okay. So I was on Facebook, and somebody had posted an article from The Onion about like Mr. Autumn Man. And they're, t- <laughs> it's like just describing like a very stereotypical white person during fall. Okay. Like, ah, Mr. Autumn Man was like walking down the street in a sweater and a <laughs> collared checked shirt, holding up a cup of coffee and stopped several times to like cut both his hands around it and inhale deeply. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's me. I do that. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. Because it's great. Yeah. It's fall great. is the best. 
Yeah, I don't care, Onion, if you're going to make fun of me. That's fun. That's on you, but I love fall, and it's the best. So, yeah, it's fall now. Yeah, I don't actually have much more to say about that, except that it's exciting, and I'm happy to have my gloves on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Dave, what, let's just move right along, what is our <laughs> second star of the week? Okay, so this is a reader e- or listener email that somebody sent us, and uh, thank you very much, Raymond, for doing a little research for us, because we had asked the question, sort of into the ether, honestly, uh, last season, about the question of the Ho Ranger's name, because sometimes we see Rin, and sometimes we see Lin, and so kind of our question was... Like, which is it? Like, is it Rin or Yeah, Rin? like, is there a definitive answer? Right. So, Raymond, uh, it sounds like, has a fair amount of background in linguistics or just has done a lot of homework. So, here is the kind of shortened version of uh, the research that he said along to us. Okay, so, the kind of the long and short of it is that uh, Japanese traditionally does not make the same kind of hard distinction between an an R and an L sound that we in English would make. Uh, because the way that you make those sounds is very similar, kind of just in terms of like what parts of your mouth that you use and how your tongue interacts with those parts of your mouth. And so kind of how you pronounce that RL sound shifts a lot, apparently. Uh, de- kind of depending on where you are from in Japan or, you know, just any number of factors. So what Raymond tells us is that it is almost certainly originally Lin. Because remember, she's supposed to be Chinese, right? I mean, she's Chinese. So she's Chinese. And uh, Lin is apparently a fairly common given name in Chinese, um, but doesn't actually make a whole lot of sense in Japanese, okay? Yeah, what was it that he said it actually meant in Japanese? Oh, uh, in Chinese, he says it means beautiful jade or gem. And he says Rin has is a Japanese name with multiple meanings, kind of depending on the kanji or uh, character that you're using. One of them apparently just means phosphorus, which would be a weird name for the Ho Ranger. But it would be pretty cool. So, long story short... Uh, Raymond tells us that her name is almost certainly originally supposed to be Lynn, but she pronounces it in a way uh, that is closer to a sort of a blended Alan R sound that I promise you I was like nailing half an hour ago when I was thinking about talking about this, and now I can't make my mouth do it. But anyways, um, he also mentions that she almost certainly, although her name is Lynn, pronounces it with like a Japanese accent because she hangs out with a bunch of Japanese guys and her grandfather is complaining about how she's become too Japanese. So it's Lin, but maybe she would rather it be Rin. There you, <laughs> there you go. So there is your definitive answer. Semi- as close as we can get for you. Uh, thank you again, Raymond. Uh, yeah. But Dave, moving Matt. right along, 
what is our third star of the week? Oh man! So I'm going to LARP this weekend. Surprise, surprise! Uh, but I'm I very am. Surprised. I'm going to. I know. I, I actually was very surprised when you told me today because <laughs> I thought we were recording tomorrow. <laughs> Sorry, man. Um, yeah, so I'm going to a LARP event tomorrow. I'm really looking forward to it. It's actually it's the final event of the year. Oh no way! Well, okay, it's not the final event of the year total. It's the final event of the year for me. Uh, I don't really play in the winter. Other people do. They say it's a blast. I sort of believe them. Uh, but yeah, I do not so believe them. It's okay, going to be... I believe that they have fun. I do not believe that I would have fun. <laughs> well, okay. I have a thought on this, which I'll tell you in just a second. But it's, uh, it's supposed to be beautiful and cool, which is great LARPing weather. It's, uh, well, it's going to be a little rainy, which is a bummer, but whatever. So check this out, Matt. So we're going onto the campsite, right? Mm-hmm. He lives in the city that the campsite is outside of, right? And so he's kind of been up and down all week, and he has been setting up the props for this LARP event for like five days. I don't even know how, what you would spend five days setting up at a LARP event. Well, Matt, let me tell you what he's. I think he's doing. So, okay, so the event is that we're going to this city, and the city is like besieged by undead, right? And there's a small quarter that we, that we like the heroes of the game, have managed to kind of clear out of monsters. And the goal of the event is to clear out the rest of the monsters. And so I think he is setting up like a gigantic tarp slash maybe straw bale maze that we will be fighting through all weekend. It's going to be amazing, I hope. Okay, I... I do not like playing in the winter. In fact, I've not been back in a few years, but that does sound super fun. <laughs> yeah, I was actually, I was kind of on the fence about going just because like, I got a lot of stuff going on. And somebody told me, they're like, yeah, this dude's been down there for five days setting this thing up. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I should. Dude, I like a hay bale maze generally. Right, and if I could also be like pretending to be a wizard at the same time, that Dude, is a good afternoon. Yeah, for real. Uh, so here's the deal about winter LARPing. So obviously it's like a fantasy game and like you want your costume to look super cool, right? You want to look like an awesome fantasy wizard with like a robe and like a cloak and, you know, like blah, 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 right? Yes, I Which want that, great. and that is, I promise, the only time in my life that I want that. <laughs> I don't know if I believe you, but okay. Um, I, ho- I really hope that you do believe me, and that we can just move past this without me having to defend that any further. <laughs> so, just trust me. So, <laughs> so but here's the no thing. reason to question it. That's great in theory, but... It's summer, like you're out in the woods in summer, and it's like 80 degrees and humid, and you're running around, and so yeah, all you're of running, that stuff you're is jumping just... up and down hills. Right, you're breaking your ankle. I sprained my ankle, thank you very much. <laughs> um, and so you don't actually want to wear all that stuff, because it's like a billion degrees, and you'll die. So the upside of Winter LARP is that you can wear a lot more costume because you legitimately need that much clothing to kind of cover you up and be comfortable. So that's a big upside of Winter LARP, is that the costumes are actually a lot cooler. So okay, I'm going to I LARP. do buy that. I still do not want to run around in the snow all weekend. Oh, yeah, no, I still don't. I don't play in the winter. I'm just saying, like, in theory, that's a thing that would be true. Uh, so I'm going to go pretend to be a wizard in a hay bale maze, and it's going to be awesome. 
what are you doing with your lame weekend? <laughs> what, what's the fourth star? <laughs> okay, so our fourth star of the week is something that I saw the other day walking home to my apartment from where I get off the bus after coming back from work. Bus updates. Was it a can of tab? Because we already talked about that. <laughs> it was not a can of tab. Okay. Although I have heard rumors uh, that they exist, or at least did at some point exist, in Columbus fairly regularly. No, oh, not okay. recently. So, and Columbus is still pretty far away. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, I was walking home, and a mystery has been partially solved that I have been puzzling over for the last like two and a half years that I have lived in this apartment. Wow. Okay. So, do I know about this mystery? I can't think no, of a two and a half year old mystery. It's a very small thing. Okay. So there is next to the convenience store, right around the corner from me, mm-hmm. a payphone okay. out in the parking lot. And by the payphone, there are always tons of birds just like flocked around this phone. Okay. And for a while, I wondered why, and then eventually, I noticed that there was often bird seed scattered in front of the payphone. Huh. Okay. And for a long time, I had sort of let it go. Like, oh, I guess maybe someone who either lives in the apartments right next to it or someone who lives in the store, not lives in the store, works in the store. It would be very weird if somebody lived in the store. Um, Strange things have happened. They bring out some bird seed for these birds. Who knows? Who knows? And had sort of let it go until the other day when I was walking by and I saw a car pull up. Off the street, somebody got out, popped the trunk. It was this uh, middle-aged woman. She does not work at that store, and she does not live in that apartment building. She was driving by, got out of her car, popped the trunk, went to the back, pulled out a like giant sack of bird seed and a like a beer pitcher, scooped out a ton of bird seed, threw it on the ground in front of the payphone, what? and then just got back in her car. And left. So this was like a drive-by, like, tuppence of bagging? So this is just this woman. And I've, now that I have, like, this was, I said a few days ago. This was actually about a week ago. Now that I know what to look for, I have seen this woman, like, stopping into this parking lot and just sitting around. So I don't know why or what the deal is, but there is a woman who comes by to feed pigeons on... In someone else's parking lot next to someone else's apartment, she doesn't stick around. She doesn't like feed the pigeons by her and hand. Like, They're like, yeah, one of those so she's not hanging out with these out birds. With the pigeons. She is just a woman who is coming by and leaving food for these birds that she then spends no time with. And it is completely like, like I say, it solved one mystery, but it has opened <laughs> up a whole world of like. You know, like oh, fantastical yeah. thoughts. Like, what? What is she doing? Why right? is she doing it? When did? Because I know she started at least two, more than two and a half years ago, dude. Unless I she feel... took this like birdseed root over from someone else who had like bequeathed it to her, dude. I feel like if you are dropping off like beer pitchers of birdseed, you've probably been at this a while because it was like, a whole system. Yeah. What? 
You don't need to do that, though. Pigeons no, just... you don't. They just eat. That's why they're in the city. I, anyway, it's, I realize that there's not like a satisfying conclusion to this fourth star here because I, I cannot give you any answers as to why this is happening. But it's been weighing on my mind heavily and I just thought I'd put it out there. Matthew, you have infected me with this story. Like I desperately need more information. I'm I mean, I'll kind keep of... an eye out, dude. If I find out anything else, I will give you an update. Like I'm kind of unsettled. Like, like my equilibrium has been thrown by the existence of this like drive-by bird feeder. This, I mean, th- those are the only details I have, except that it is like a mid to late '90s teal four-door car. What? That's it. Heck? That's all I got for you. Um. So, Dave. Yeah. Okay. What's our fifth star? Uh. Okay. Uh. Our fifth star. We sure have one. Is sorry. Do you need a second to re uh, recalibrate yeah, after sorry. that bird story? Uh, I'm just. Does she smoke? I feel like she has to smoke. I mean, maybe she sticks around for a cigarette, but it's not. There isn't a bench there for her to sit on. Right. No. 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 But she does. Like she smokes as a person. You've seen her with cigarettes. I think so. Yeah. Somehow that makes me feel a lot better. Like that helps me situate the whole thing. Does that make any sense? It doesn't have to. It just makes me feel better. Okay. Okay. I mean, so long as you're feeling good about it. <laughs> so, okay. So our fifth star, Matt, is uh, King's Quest. Oh, right. There was a new King's Quest game came out a while yeah, ago. Yeah. Okay. So this game is made by The Odd Gentleman, which is a kind of small, like, semi-independent game studio, and it is produced actually in conjunction with Sierra. Like, this project started, like, ages ago, and, like, somebody had done some stuff, and then it got shut down, and then these folks got together with Sierra, like, the people who still own the Sierra licenses or still own Sierra or something. I'm going to be honest, I did not know that Sierra as an entity had existed for the last, like, 10 years. They kind of don't. It's like a... A dude and his wife, or I think it's actually, it's a wife and her husband, like she owns the primary part of it or something, but they got permission to do this game, and I thought it was a remake of the old King's Quest games. Sorry, if you're not familiar with it, the old King's Quest games were a series of point-and-click adventure games published by Sierra, and there was like seven of them or something. And they were really, like, super cool and groundbreaking, and they set the tone for a lot of that style of game that then later on led to games like Sam and Max, and what was the biker one, Matt? Oh, dude, Full Throttle. Full, Full Throttle, was which, was a, which was a fantastic game. With so, a soundtrack by a band called the Gone Jackals. Yeah. I don't know why I really remember that, good but I do. So anyways, um, I thought it was a remake. It is not. It's entirely new stuff, kind of set as interstitial episodes between like other King's Quest games. And so um, it's just, it's really, really fun. It's beautifully done. The art is fantastic. And it has that, Monkey Island is another game that was sort of closely related to these. Sorry. Yeah, Day of the Tentacle. Yeah. All of that style of game, they all kind of get their start, if I recall correctly, from the King's Quest series. 
Well, there were three sort of series that were coming out concurrently all around that time, and I think they might have all been Sierra. And again, I have done no research, and I'm probably wrong. But the three mm-hmm. that I remember are King's Quest. Yeah. There was another game called Police Quest that I think only had one or two entries. That might be true. And then the one that I remember the best was Quest oh, for Glory. Man. Oh, Quest for Glory was so good. I ultimately prefer Quest for Glory to King's Quest, to be honest with you. Well, Quest for Glory had more of like a swashbuckling adventure aspect to it. Yeah, dude, Quest for Glory, check this out. So Quest for Glory, this is like this is when games were coming on floppy disks, mind you. Um, so Quest for Glory, you there were I think four games and you started the first one and you could save your file from the first game upload it to the second game and things would be different in the second game based on the stuff that you had done in the first game. And also in Quest for Glory, you got to pick a character class and starting in, I think, the third Quest for Glory game, there was a fourth character class that you could get access to, but only if you uploaded a save from a previous game. Like, you couldn't be a paladin unless you had already beaten at least one of the games Quest for Glory was amazing. But King's Quest was also super great. And so this King's Quest game is very much in the style of those. You're like running around, solving puzzles, finding inventory items. It's really fun. It's funny. It's lighthearted. Um, it's coming out episodically, but you can purchase... I, this is what we did. You can just kind of buy the whole thing up front, and then you just kind of download them as they come out. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. So you just, like, you buy the season pass, and then you download it as it becomes available? Yeah, basically. So uh, Beth's already beaten, my wife Beth, has already beaten the first part. She says it's great. I have gotten about, I think, like, maybe halfway through it, and I'm having a blast. That's actually what I'm going to, I stopped doing it to do this, and then as soon as we're done here, I'm immediately playing Quest for Glory again. Or, Dude, you, uh, know, King's Quest. you know what you should check out if it is available on the uh, Xbox? I know I have it on the Wii U. It's a game called The Cave. Ooh, okay. And the cave is similar to that. It's made by the guy who did Monkey Island. Oh, nice. Uh, but it is like a it's a side scroller and you're controlling like three different characters that all have to like solve puzzles together. It's it's a really cool game. Dude, that's awesome. But I, I, I might have actually mentioned it like ages ago on Live and Let Die Ranger. But anyway, the cave is a super fun game. Sounds if you haven't good. played it or if you the listener haven't played it, uh check it out. It's the Monkey Island guy. It's funny. And okay. weirdly dark. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that is kind of weird. All right, man. So those are our five stars. What is the, uh, what's the title of this week's episode? Dave, this week we are watching episode four titled The Fighting Bride. Right on. Let's do uh, it. And we will watch that and we'll be right back in a minute. Okay. Welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode four, The Fighting Bride. And Dave, why don't you give me a quick rundown as to what we saw? Sure. So we see the sort of tail end of the Jetmen's man's Jetman Jetmen, the Jetmen training program. The last part of it is the plane, the flying the jets. Cowrie has some freaking out about it. There's some interpersonal static. Cowrie seems to leave and then has a triumphant return to the bosom of the Jetmen. Was that a weird way to say that? That was a weird way to say Maybe. that. Maybe. Uh, I've been reading a lot of Shakespeare, Matt. Okay, as I <laughs> as I mentioned, so my uh, my vocabulary is a little 
fuzzy right now. Okay. So just roll with it. Okay, so we're rolling with it. So, okay. As you mentioned, we open up this episode and we are watching the Jetmen. Uh, they're all in their various jets and they are doing right. training exercises. Yeah. And almost and everyone very... seems to be doing a great job. With the exception of Kauri. She is freaking out. She's kind of, like she doesn't really know how to handle it. She has trouble piloting her swan jet, right? Jet Swan? Jet Swan. She has trouble piloting Jet Swan. They're going through training exercises, and she's just not keeping up. But what we do get to see is everybody's like kind of special attacks. In their jets, that is. So Wright's jet has <laughs> just a giant game claw, like claw game claw, that comes out of the bottom of it. Yes, which appears to be... He- Way, way too big to fit inside the body of that jet. Yeah, the claw itself is, I think, the size of the jet. So I could, like, fold up. It could fold up. But what I don't know is how it has, like, the thrust to do what it's about to do, which is pick up a rock that is probably as large as the jet itself. So the jet, has it's carrying itself, plus a claw that is itself the size of the jet, and the claw is then used to pick up a rock, which is itself also kind of the size of the jet. Now, as he does this, Rytus says, like, ah, no one's going to beat me for power. And so we, I guess we are led to assume that this plane is, like, physically stronger than the other jets, which doesn't seem to make any sense, but... It's the yellow jet. Maybe it's got, like, double thrusters or something. But, like, Raita's jet also has super strength. Yes. In fights, Raita throws rocks at monsters. In jet fights, Raita throws rocks at monsters. He's a simple man. He knows farming and thirst and throwing rocks. <laughs> That's three things that Raita knows now. We should start keeping a list of things that Raita knows. <laughs> things that Raita knows. So... However, the the giant rock attack is cool. It is not nearly as cool as Jet Swallow's okay, attack. Okay, Jet Swallow's attack is lunacy. Like, it's there is amazing. no way that anyone... Like, there is no way that there were two people in the process of designing Jet Swan's plane. Because if there was any more than just one dude who thought it was a cool idea, like, the other person would have said, Hey, um... Maybe you should rethink that. So Okay, so here's yeah. how this works. She is like flying Jet Swallow, and Jet Swallow's wings like sit on top of the fuselage of the plane. And she launches the attack, which is a thing called Wing Blade, wing right? Wing Cutter. Wing Cutter, which is even better because it sounds like it's from Super Mario. So Wing Cutter, what it does is that the bl- the wings of her plane launch And then the rest of the plane just drops. Yeah, the rest of the plane goes into arcing free fall while the wings like launch by and they apparently have like razors or like energy blades on the front of them. And it's like a giant like blade orang that cuts through enemies and then reattaches to the fuselage and presumably pulls out of the free fall dive. Yeah, we do see it. We also see that that jet is like, it's pretty close to the ground. 
when the yeah, wings come is, back. There is not a lot of room for error in wing cutter. So attack, that's the insane thing. Like it's a really awesome. cool attack and it's a fun idea and it's a great toy. But like as an actual thing that you would want to be inside of, it just seems like a death trap. <laughs> Um, so Black Condor, Jet Condor, as far as I can tell, its super attack is that it has, like, a reinforced nose and just flies through things. Uh, that is what we like see it just... in this. Although, generally speaking, when we see Jet Condor in action, Jet Condor and Jet Hawk are pretty similar. Like, okay. they are just sort of, With, like, like the, they've got, like, laser like all-around things. They've got laser cannons. And very often what we're going to see, we're actually going to see it later in this episode, is that they do something called like the jet double beam where uh, Red Hawk and Black Condor both use their planes to like shoot lasers at the same thing. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. But yes, uh, we do I absolutely was hoping... see him fly his plane through a bunch of targets. Right. Well, what I really was hoping is that Guy's jet condor just punched stuff. Like, Guy just punches stuff and his plane just jet punches stuff. Like, just by flying into it, which would have been fantastic. Uh, so, Kauri, while all of this is happening, Kauri just continues to keep freaking out. Like, she cannot handle the power of this jet. Ryu it's also entirely possible, tells Raito, by the way, that she doesn't even know how to drive. Because, like, she has a car, but she also has a driver. Yeah. Well, we have, like, I assume that a fair amount of time has passed because, like, they're all flying jets. That is not something you learn, you know, overnight, even if you are, in fact, a jet man. I would assume. Maybe they also get, like, super, I don't know, if you've got Bradonic Waves, maybe you also have, like, a super jet simulator thing that trains people. Maybe it's like a, again, I keep going back to the Matrix. Uh, maybe they get, like, programmed to know how to fly a jet? You know, man, that is the thing that makes the most kind of sense, I guess. Just because they're obviously, like, they're learning things that it would just take somebody, like, a really, really long time to At do. At any rate, so anyways, doesn't do it well. Kauri is a terrible yeah. pilot. Right. And so Ryu, I guess in an attempt to help her or something, he tells Raid, he's like, okay, right to go. And we think that she, he is going to, I did at least, do some sort of special move with Kaori to, like, help her out. Nope. What Ryu says to do is drop a giant rock on Kaori's plane. And I guess Ryu is very much of, like, the sink or swim training school. Yeah, so Raita, Raita flies just above Kauri, drops a giant boulder, and then she is supposed to fly straight up at it and then use her lasers to break it to pieces. Predictably, this does not go well. She misses the boulder with, I think, every single shot. She manages to just shoot, like, around it somehow. She almost... Uh, like, right, wanted comic book yeah, style. Yeah, she almost shoots Raita out of the sky. Yeah, Raita's freaking out. And Ryu manages... He kind of, like, realizes that she's not going to make it. He blasts the rock and saves Kauri. And she goes in for a hard crash landing. As a total aside, let me just say... That, like, the special effects scenes that they are doing with these very clearly toy jets are pretty impressive. 
Yeah, they do a good like, job, they've don't got they? Whole, yeah, they've got like whole sets set up. The Jets are like hitting the grounds. Like, you know, they're kind of like pulling out dives very close to the ground and like spraying up dirt, which is, uh, it took me a minute. I think I figure how you would do that. But like, it's really, they do a great job with these Jets. I was really impressed, especially because the other special effects in the show are not super fantastic. But these sequences are really cool. So we cut inside, and they're all sort of standing in a line, and Chief is saying, okay, all of you passed your training, except for Kauri. Kauri, you're going to have to come back and do, like, extra bonus training. Specifically, extra, like, pilot training, is what she says. Uh, and Kauri is like, um, yeah, though, okay, I hear what you're saying, but I really don't want to. And I don't like machines, so maybe you could just give me a pass. Which seems enormously irresponsible, Kauri, but whatever. They're setting up a narrative here with Kauri. Trust us. And, and so the chief just says, like, well, no, you need to learn how to do this. So you're going <laughs> to come back and we're going to teach you how to do this. Do you see where I'm going with this, Kauri? Right, like, there's, no, you need to know how to do this. And Kauri just kind of, like, she kind of persists. She's like, mm, yeah, yeah, though, but I really don't want to. And the thing is that at this point, to. Kauri goes into, like, weird fancy lady charm mode where, like, she plasters on this smile and sort of, like, holds her hands together. It's like, yes, but you you understand I'm bad with machines. I've just never been comfortable with them. And you can tell she's right. super trying to... Not even appeal to any sort of, like, pity, but just charm her way out of it. And the right. chief, and, uh, since she's nobody the chief, else... is having none of it. Yeah, nobody else buys it at because all. Like, she's polite is, laughing. Like, devoid of mercy. Right. Kauri is, like, polite laughing. Uh, she is also clearly uncomfortable. Yeah, she is also, like, like super just... nervous laughing. Right, because remember, Kauri is, like, an upper crust... Uh, lady, she's very wealthy, and this is kind of like this is setting up the arc for this whole care for Kauri, is that her life up to this point, she's been like she's wealthy, she kind of always has her way, nobody says no to her because you know she's like Lady Kauri, and so she Ryu is like, no, you're a jet man, you need to be a warrior and fight the Virum, like get on it, and Kauri just says. Uh, no, I really don't like machines, and I'm leaving. Like, hashtag sorry, not sorry. And she just, she just leaves. She's But out. before she does, Ryu, like, tries to stop her. And is like, listen, you can't be a princess all your life. You need to be a warrior. Like, you need to, like, get your act together and do this. And really sort of shouts at her. And that, and that oh, is yeah, the end. Like, Kaori like, is just out. Sorry for being a lady. Yeah, she said, like, sorry, like, <laughs> you called me a princess, but, like, I am a lady. I can't help that. Like, that's just who I like, am. Like, and you got a deal. Like, deuces, I'm out. Yeah. So she leaves. Guy looks at Ryu and is just like, dude, you really, uh, you just do not know anything about ladies, do you? And Akko uh, is like, oh, yeah, no, guy, he, he knows yeah, nothing. we can all agree on we that. We agree on Ryu that. Ryu knows zero about women. 
Okay. Writer does not chime so in we, because presumably Writer also knows zero about women. That is not one of the four yeah. things that he knows about. Right. So, <laughs> so, but so way, we cut Writer away. Writer does know more than four things. We will get some Writer episodes. Writer's very cool. No, I like Writer. I'm just, he's a simple man. Uh, so, we cut to Kauri, and she is in her house. And she's just in like a dress and she's playing the piano and she has a flashback to Ryu kind of yelling at her about being a princess. And she says, like, I can't believe he said that to me. And she bangs down on the piano and makes like a loud, you know, discordant slang sound. Right. I was really, I, this was a lost moment, Jetman. It would, it would have been so cool if she broke the piano. Using right? her crazy Jetman strength. Right, using her crazy Jetman strength if she was angry that she broke the piano. And this would have highlighted for us that she was torn between two worlds. Oh, man. They already wrecked Anyways. their saxophone a couple of episodes ago. They don't have the budget to be ruining like an entire <laughs> music store. <laughs> okay. So she, tur- she hears the door open behind her. And uh, her butler comes in, and he's like, Lady Cowrie, presents have arrived for you. And she's like, what? Presents? And then he says, yes. And then he walks in, and I guess all of the household servants start walking in with flowers. Just like huge vases full of flowers. Like 15 of them or something. And each one is carried by a separate servant. So, like, Cowrie's got oh, yeah. staff. Right. Yeah, this is not like Cowrie and her butler. This is not like a Bruce Wayne and uh, Alfred situation where it's like just the two of them in this giant house. This is a fully staffed uh, mansion. Yeah, dude. Like, like so, they are one witch's curse away from Beauty and the Beast situation. <laughs> so, like, they all come in, and so, one person who isn't like a housekeeper comes in, and he has a vase of flowers in front of him or a bouquet or something. And he moves right. it away from his face, and she recognizes him as... Did you write his name down? Because I totally didn't. No, I did. It's uh, Sochiro, I think is how you would pronounce it. Uh, Sochiro, I think. S-O-I-C-H-I-R-O is how it was done in the translation. Sochiro sounds okay. right. And it seems, whatever, whoever he is, they have some sort of prior relationship because she's very excited to see him. So like an old boyfriend or something. We don't know. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. We do find out. Um, so we cut away to the Virum. And the four Virum, what are they, Matt? Coma- they're not the commanders. Virum revolutionaries, Because it's the Goma commanders. What was uh, that? They were recently called the Virum revolutionaries. And I never, never double-checked yeah, to make sure that's that was it. right. Yeah, let's go with that. It's cool. So the four Viram revolutionaries are looking through like a dimensional mirror, and they are watching a city. <laughs> and uh, Radigan is like, "So this is how." He, and they're using a bunch of cars, and he says, "So like this is how humans get around." And I'm not great at picking up inflection always in foreign languages, but the disdain is clear and present. <clears throat> Which I guess makes sense, because if you can just, like, dimension slice your way and, like, teleport wherever you want, I can see where a car would be pretty unimpressive. Oh, yeah. And so he says, like, this is stupid. Like, all you need to do is, like, slightly disrupt this, and their whole society falls apart. So he grabs the dimensional bug. What he... (laughs) Wait, what he actually says, Matt, is he says, 
these like these roads are the blood vessels of their cities, <laughs> and if you cut one, the whole city will bleed. Uh, and so what he does is he gets his dimensional bug. He reaches through like a hole between the dimensions, and he drops it on top of a traffic light. Right. So uh, what we're going to get is like traffic light monster. <clears throat> so we cut away, like we get the traffic light monster, and he sort of appears, but we don't see him actually. Yeah, we don't actually get the monster like, yet. All we get yet. is the fact that like the lights start changing sort of randomly. And oh and yeah, that's get right. This one bit where like a, a light turns from red to green and then we look at a car and like its hood is on fire and it's flying like in the air right. across an intersection the and most... lands on another car. <laughs> well, okay, it doesn't start out on fire. The dude just runs a red light and then it's the single most disastrous run light red light run potentially of all time. He hits like six other cars. He flips upside down, like you said. He does, in fact, end up on fire. And then, like, something else happens. Okay, so we cut away from there, and we see Sochiro and Kaori, and they are in an elevator, like, going up a high-rise. And here is where we find out that they are not just old friends, but Sochiro is her fiancé. Which... Right on. And he says, oh, yes, well, we've been engaged since our childhood. So Kauri has, like, an arranged marriage, I guess? Yeah, and he says, like, listen, you know, we are now getting to the age where we should really get married. Like, we've been engaged for so long, like, it's kind of time to make this thing happen. Right. So he pulls out a ring and just puts it on her finger, and that's it, I guess? Because he's just like, it's already sorted, I guess, as far as Sochiro is concerned. So, so yeah, so Kauri's getting married. And she seems... Congratulations. Conflicted about this. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. Like, because on one hand, this is a guy that, like, she's known for ages and they have been engaged all their life. But on the other hand, like, this is very sudden and she's a jet man. Right. And we will see this conflict kind of come back in just a second. Uh, but before that, we go over to Space Camp, Sky Camp. Dude, now I'm doing it. Okay. No, it's Sky Camp, right? It is Sky Camp. I've, yeah, it's Sky I have Camp. given up on trying to not call it Space Camp, personally. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So we're at Spice Camp. Not Spy Camp. Spy Camp is a different show. Uh, um, Spy Camp would be the, a wait. great show. Is there actually, hold up now, is there like a spy-oriented Super Sentai show? Is that a thing? Uh, Go Busters, I think, is spy-themed. No way. Wow. That's okay, a, I think Matt. that's a fairly recent one. Next step, start thinking of puns on the name Go Buster for next year. Anyways, so we cut back to Space Camp, Sky Camp, and that, <laughs> anyways... And the rangers are all there, and they're like, oh my gosh, I wonder if Kauri's going to come back. Like, I hope she does. We all like her. And everybody is actually like, they're not super sure, weirdly, with the exception of Ryu, who is absolutely certain that she is going to come back. Yeah, although everyone, Ryu is certain that she is coming back, but everyone is kind of taking Kauri's side. 
Yeah, they're like, they're you... like listen, guy, like you. I'm sorry, guy says this to Ryu. He's like, listen, uh, like she has a fancy society, lady. She has probably never been spoken to like that in her entire life. Like you probably you... like offended her very badly. Yeah, like you were kind of a jerk. Uh, Ryu has no response to this. He's just like, ah, she'll be back. She's she like she needs to be a warrior for justice. So we cut back from there to this restaurant. With that's we find out that's where they were going in this elevator. They're going up to this like fancy high rise restaurant. And Sochiro says, "I hope you like this restaurant. I have reserved the entire thing for us, like to have our lunch." Which is one of those great moments in a TV show. Because it lets the character pretend to be very rich, while the show can be very cheap and not hire any extras. Right, and go in like after hours or something and be like, guys, do you mind if we... It's for Super Sentai, right? You guys love this show. Which I guess they do. I, I sort of wonder how much carte blanche Super Sentai gets with people. Like at this point. Where they're like, hey, can we use your store to shoot a scene? And people are like, for the Super Sentai show? Absolutely! I have I feel literally like that's how no be. idea, but that would be fun. I hope so. I hope Super Sentai has enough cred that they could pull that off at this point. But they have concerts, right? There's they like, do. They have big concerts. Yeah, and like, like Super Sentai theme song concerts. Where, like, and the touring shows are not just concerts. The touring shows are like live action episodes, basically. No way. That's amazing. Yeah, I've seen some stuff on YouTube. It looks bonkers. Uh, yeah, I'm going to look that up right after this. So... She, uh, Shoshiro says, if you look out that build, like, if you look out that window, you can see, like, the building of your family's business empire, and next to it is the building of my family's business empire, and when we marry, our empires will merge, and we'll be more powerful than ever. And we'll get so much money, like, we're already rich, but we will be so much richer, and that is exactly what I want. I want money, because money is great. Yeah, it's the super best. And, like, we're special and amazing, and, like, everybody else kind of sucks. And so (laughs) she says, like, okay, well, listen, if we got married, that would absolutely make my parents happy. And, like, I wouldn't be mad at it, but, like, there's something that you need to know. Right. And then we cut to a commercial. Yeah. And then when we (laughs) cut back from the commercial, this rich jerk is, like laughing at her like wait what you're a warrior for justice yeah like and he just like like it's not he that he's not shocked believe her i uh, he just 100 percent does not believe her right like he absolutely he does not permit any possibility that this is real he's like yeah you've always said some crazy stuff you you wacky chick and like and she's like no seriously like this is a really real thing like, I am a warrior for justice. Here's the thing that I don't get. This dude is super wealthy. I would assume he's like, I don't know, paying attention to the news. And even if he isn't, the Virum monsters who are invading Earth have appeared, like, literally everywhere. Yeah, like, they appeared in people's cups of coffee. Everyone right. on Earth knows that the Virum are attacking. And theoretically, everyone also knows that the Jetmen are fighting them. Right. So she's like, yeah, no, I really am a jet man. Like, I just, it seems weird. He's like, nah, that can't even, 
Like, that can't be possible. That's just not it. Because when, okay, here's the weird thing. Because he doesn't say, oh, it couldn't possibly be you. He seems to just not believe the entire existence of the Virum and or Jetman at all. Right. He is laughing at her as though she has just, like, told him a fairy tale. Right. So, we... Uh, because, I mean, okay. Basically, I think, because this guy is the absolute worst. This guy is a huge, self-absorbed jerk. Like, he is the worst. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is I don't know if we have gotten hateable. that quite across. Like, this is not just, like, some nice guy that she used to know. This is some guy with whom she is associated, uh, who, as it turns out, as an adult, is, like, a literal human monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's... Yeah, he's terrible. So, we cut away from there. And we are seeing, like, the road slash street sign slash the road dimension monster himself kind of just wreaking havoc throughout the city. And he, uh, can we describe his look for a second, Dave? His head is a traffic light. But, like, set sideways. I think the, I, like, there are places that have sideways streetlights. I think that might oh, just yeah, be true, what the streetlights look like there. Okay. So his head is a streetlight, and then his body is made of, like... Like grass? No, I here's what and I think Okay, there's... here's what I think it looks like. His body is mostly gray, but it has lines painted on it, like lane lines, as though his body is the asphalt and his head is the traffic light. Right, but like on the side of that road that is his body is like the grassy berm. It's uh it is a confusing look. Yeah, it's not not super well put together. I would say. Especially not after last week. Yeah, but okay, so this is a really cool thing, though, and I'm I'm really curious to see if this holds up in other episodes of Jetman, that so far, the Dimension Monsters are not only, like, are they shooting, like, laser blasts and stuff? Like, last week we saw Fawcett Dimension, and he could, like, telekinetically control Fawcett. This week, we see Road Dimension, who it seems like can also telekinetically control roads, because the roads are, like, tearing up and rolling over and attacking people and stuff. So, oh like, yeah, dude. seems the, to be a The dimensional the beasts have crazy superpowers, and especially later when we get into the biodimensional beasts. Like, dude, there's an elephant monster that you are going to love. Yeah, that sounds like something I'd be really into. That because, awesome. uh, and here is a... Not a hint, but here's something to sort of tantalize you. Uh, it is not just an elephant monster. It is an elephant monster with an extra super thing on top of it. It's great. Anyway, we will yeah, get I, to that one eventually. Yeah, I cannot wait. Uh, <laughs> um, sorry, now I'm just trying to imagine. Okay, I'm going to stop. All right, so we cut away from the road attacking, and we see Kaori and Shichir Shochiro, uh, and they're just driving. He is still and, laughing at her. Yeah. So they have left the restaurant, gotten the car, gotten in the car, like are driving somewhere, and he is still mocking his theoretically wife-to-be. And Carrie's like, no, seriously. I, I re like, this is a really real thing. I am a warrior of justice. And so they're driving along, and they happen to drive up to where Road Dimension is wreaking havoc. So right. they end up, like, on the side of the road. Kauri hops out, like, shouts into her wrist communicator, like, hey, guys, you need to come over here. The Virum are attacking. 
Yep. And then uh, sort of runs around and avoids the Grinham soldiers and the road dimension until the other jetmen arrive, which they do no, she super actually, shortly. She, it, do they do arrive like immediately? But she throws a couple of moves, dude. She's like hucking some Grinham soldiers around, like not a ton, but she's definitely in the mix. But even after seeing that, uh, Shochiro is like he's furious. Like, now that he's been proven wrong, that the Jetmen are real, and that Kaori is, in fact, a warrior of justice, like, he's not, he's angry at having been proven wrong. Yeah, like, eventually they are able to, like, rescue Kaori and this crappy dude, uh, whose name I refuse to remember. <laughs> um, and, and that's fair. And so that's they're fair. sitting around, and guy. yeah, this guy, like... Yeah, like, he just... He has encountered like a literal monster and actual superheroes and dude just cannot handle it. Like he can't handle it, which I just want to say, Kauri maybe doesn't bode super well for your upcoming marriage for the rest of your life to this person. Yeah. Like, and he's saying, man, he's saying a bunch of weird stuff. I tried to write it down. He's saying like... Yeah. Like, Kauri, you can't be a part of this. Like, you and I, we're different from these people. We are the chosen people. Yeah, that was a really weird vibe. As though, just like, no, we're not just rich. We are chosen. Yeah, we're not just richer. We are, like, better in a way that is, like, definable. Yeah. And so he says this to Guy, and... Dude, Shoshiro is about to get wrecked. Oh, yeah. Like, this guy like, grabs him by the shirt collar and says, I just can't seem to find anything to like about you. Right. Not that guy, I think, tries too hard, but, yeah, this dude this dude has a face that's begging to be punched. And All the right. guy is always begging to punch a face. Yeah, he loves it. It's two great tastes that taste great together. So Ryu, like, kind of steps in, and he's like, guy, like chill out and even in this moment Ryu just cannot like he can't help himself he's such like he's just so into this he's like all right Kaori like come on get with it like you need to be a warrior now like don't you see like okay Ryu have you not listened to anything that anybody has said you're doing this like a (laughs) hundred it's like he does something wrong, and everyone's like, dude, Ryu, maybe do, maybe do it a different way. He's like, yeah, 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 I got you, I got you. And then as soon as the opportunity arises, he does it <laughs> the exact same way again. And he annoys <laughs> Kaori so much that even after all this, she turns to her crummy fiancé and says, hey, let's go get married right now. Like, let's get right. away from these jerks. Yeah, this is clearly, like, you can see in her face that she's, like, this is hate marriage. Like, she's only doing this despite Ryu because she's so angry. And so in this moment, they get another, like, message on their communicator saying that Road Dimension is attacking elsewhere. They all have to run off, but Kaori does not go with them. She stays with her terrible fiancé. And before the Jetmen get all the way away, they all turn around and Ryu (laughs) says, like, Kaori, I still believe in you. You're a warrior. And then they leave. Right. They can't wait, but he does still believe in her. So on the way, in the time it takes the Jetmen to get 
to where Road Dimension is attacking. Which we have established that they can do very quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, these guys do not mess around speed-wise. So in the time it takes them to arrive, (laughs) Kauri has made it to the church, found a minister, gotten a dress, Shochiro has acquired a tuxedo, and they are, like, mid-ceremony. And there are other people at this ceremony. No, no, there's not. There's nobody there. Isn't there? I thought there were, like, at least one or two witnesses. No, the church is empty. Oh, and it is, by the way, I am i don't know why they decided to do this, but I, whatever. Uh, it is 100% a Christian church. Yeah, I, I do not know what the like religious landscape is over in Japan. Uh, that did I. surprise me that it was in like a 100% like cross on the like roof Christian church. Okay, so we're going to be kind of like jumping back and forth because there's the fight happening and then simultaneously this wedding is happening and they're kind of flipping between them very quickly so the jetmen are fighting road dimension we cut back we see kauri the minister is saying some stuff she's not really paying attention because yeah, she's, she's very distracted yeah reasonably so so she hears like in her or she sees rather this flashback of ryu saying like, we believe in you, runaway jet bride, about to happen. She, like, turns to Shochiro, and she's like, I can't do this. No, she doesn't like, even I say can't. that. She just says, like, I can't do this right now. Oh, like, that's right. Let's put this she off for a minute. I need to go help them, and, like, then we can do this later. And he yeah. is livid. He's like, no, you were supposed to have already cut your ties with those people, like, we're different than them. We're better than them. We are the chosen class who will control the world. Uh, and, and those people are worms. And if worms die, like, nothing matters. Like, who cares? Worms will always be worms. And then Kauri even tries to give him an out. She's like, you cannot mean that. And he's like, no. Right. She's like, no, no, no. I mean that. I mean that like, 100%. He doubles down. Yeah, he's like, no, seriously, though, those people are worms. Like, are we not on the same? And what this is the amazing part. Like, he's surprised. He's like, wait a minute. Hold up. I thought you also hated the poor. Right? Like, are we not on the same page about this? About us being the chosen people and everyone else being worms? I I thought you were down. All right, I guess not. Like, we're still getting married, but, but you're going to have to, like, figure that out. Uh, but Kauri decides that they are not getting married. She, this like, shoves him across the, like, altar space. No, 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 not yet. She does something else first, Matt. And I, I, I only mentioned it because I wrote it down because I liked it so much. She starts laughing. She's, like, sad laughing at herself. She's like, what was I? Like, how could I have almost done this? This is bonkers. This guy is the worst. Yeah, and, like, she's, she is cracking up. Yeah, and he, like, uh, like, completely predictably, is even more angry that now she's laughing. She He goes to, like, grab her to be like, Kauri, like, get a hold of yourself. And Kauri, this matters where she pushes him. She, like, launches him across the thing, like, a, like a, away from her, and says, don't touch me with your damned filthy hands. It just goes into this huge lecture about, like, you are the worst. 
Like, Ryu and the others have given up their selfish desires to fight for everyone. Those guys rule. You suck. I'm out. <laughs> kicks him in the crotch and just runs Jet out kicks. the front door. Okay, so we flash away. Like, so Kaori is on her way now. We'll see that more in a second. But we cut over to the Jetmen fighting Road Dimension. And let me tell you, when the chief said that they needed the power of all five Jetmen, she was not kidding. Because as far as I can tell, four or fewer Jetmen just lose to anything hard. But like, they can barely yeah. handle Grinham soldiers. But when the fifth one shows up, like, they're fine. So I don't know if there's like a synergy thing going on there, but they all definitely need to be there. Also, they need to wait for the fifth one to show up before they can do their like five person cinematic pose when they change. Yeah, it does. Which has to be the only reason why they haven't already changed, like used their cross changers because they're waiting for the pose and like it doesn't look right if it's only four of them. (laughs) That's... (laughs) <laughs> like you know what I was trying to I was like why are these guys cross changed already like they're definitely fighting and it's gotta be it they just didn't want to do the cross change sequence again so they had to wait for Kauri to get there <laughs> so so, we, so she runs she's like running down Kauri, the street and it okay let me just tell you what I have in my notes right here it says she leaves to join the fight she runs instead of flying and then in all capitals it says no wait she steals a motorcycle yeah, and also she apparently knows how to, she learns how to drive a motorcycle in finishing school? I don't know, uh, she cannot pilot a jet, she hates all machines, but she is comfortable enough with a motorcycle to steal one off the sidewalk. Right, also, the rest of the city, and particularly traffic I would like to point out, seems weirdly okay with road dimension. Like, traffic hasn't stopped People are still just driving around. Guys, if you're not, maybe it's on the news. There's like a road. There's a road monster. Yeah, like the road has become evil. Maybe get off the road. Just get off the road, man. Okay, Uh, so we cut back to the fight. And as we get there, uh, Kauri shows up just on the motorcycle, runs down a whole passel of Grenham soldiers. Gets over to the jet men who are sort of like on the ground, like trying to recuperate. And is like, hey, okay, I'm here. Let's do this. So they do. Cross change. And then, okay. So from there, the fight progresses very quickly because they're like pulling out swords and Kauri has like her winged gauntlet, which apparently also, in addition to super punches, does lasers, which is neat. Uh, She just like straight up punches the road dimension in the mouth, which is cool. Yeah. And then, so Road Dimension goes down. They pull out all their blasters, and they're about to do, like, their final laser blast murder move. That's right. And then we see that, like, the Dimensional Spider, there's, like, a name for it, but I don't remember what. Like, the Dimensional Spider thing, it's, like, on its leg, and it glows, and then Road Dimension does, like, the giant transformation. It's actually really cool how they do it. They do it in, like, animation over the live shot, and then he sort of rematerializes as giant road dimension. Yeah, and this is the Ryu. first time we've seen it in the show, but this is the standard way that the monsters grow. Yeah, it it looks pretty cool. So Ryu says, summon, you know, launch the jet machines. And so Kauri's like, ooh, I am not. I'm not <laughs> ooh, sure how I feel I, about this. I know it came back to help, but I am still not feeling that jet machine. Don't, yeah, don't love it. 
but she gets into the jet machine and they are like doing their attacks. So Thunderhawk Cannon and then Condor Hurricane and they both shoot the monster at the same time. And uh, I'm just reminded how cool Wing Cutter is. It's, it's so cool. Wing it's such an cool. awesome attack. Insanely irresponsible, but very cool. Right? I but think throws a rock cool. at him, and then it so, cuts to Kauri, and Kauri you know, is realize. about to do what did she call it? The Swanee Pulsar? Like she has like a pulse laser I don't or something? Know. Anyway, I'd like to point something out. Yeah, go for it. So, Raita's special attack apparently depends on there just being giant rocks around. That's a good thing they always fight in a quarry. I, I that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> I was like, which would be weird, but they're always in a freaking quarry. Uh, long distance high five for both releasing that. Okay, so Kauri is like you said. She's it's like Swan Blast or Pulsar or something. Uh, but she can't. Which do would it. be cool, except that she is still a terrible pilot because she never went back for that training. So she completely fails to fire yeah, her Swanee Pulsar, bombs it, uh, and she gets but not shot. Out actually, of the sky. bombs it. Because a bomb would be useful. A bomb would have been great in this situation. She does not do that either. <laughs> what she does is like her jet sort of shakes in the air, and then she gets blasted out of the ground, sky rather, and crash lands. Yeah. And then we just have a cliffhanger episode at the end of this one. We do get it's one just... last attack from uh, the Red Ranger and Black Ranger who are able to like get the road dimension to flee. Oh, that's right. So we're on a cliffhanger. The monster is left. Kauri has crash landed, and that's where we are at the end of episode four, The Fighting Bride. Good stuff. So, Dave, what do you think of this episode? What is your high point? Dude, I thought it was a great episode. My high point is the character arc of Kauri. In like 20 minutes, she's gone through this entire thing. They've established this character for her. She starts as a Jetman. She was excited about it. She, it gets hard. She's not used to that because she's from like this privileged upper class. So she ditches, realizes that what she ditched the Jetman for is not kind of worth having, ditches that in a spectacular fashion, and then rejoins the Jetman. In like 20 minutes, it's, just, it's like great characterization. Uh... I do. I just. I know. I say it all the time, but Jetman is just so much better than it has to be. Yes, and I. What I really like about what you just said is that if you recall, my low point last week was like guys like sleazy womanizing, right? And I like that it follows it up this week with an episode where Kauri like has like her own agency and is doing her own thing and like you know being like a strong independent woman and going against the wishes of like her family and her fiance to do what she thinks is right and help her friends. Like that's great. Right. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, how about you, man? What's your high point? Um, my high point, it's kind of a reverse high point, but I just love how well they succeeded at creating like her terrible scummy fiance. Yeah. He was awful. Like, I mean, I could also put that as a low point, like him as a like fictional human being is like the worst, but I'm just happy with the show, like how well they succeeded in just giving us someone who, like there is no way that at the end of this episode, anyone could think that Kauri had done the wrong thing because they had given her such a like terrible foil to go up against. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they did do like a really good job. He's a great uh, heel. I guess is what I mean to say. Yeah, dude, love a good heel. Love a good. Anyway, heel. what is your low point? Dang man, low point. Um, uh, I think my low point, Matt, is that Calvary has like panic attacks at a plane, but is totes comfortable stealing a motorcycle, driving it through the city, and like fighting Grinham soldiers while riding it. Yeah, it is. That it made does very sort of sense. strain credulity, doesn't it? <laughs> I like that we're watching Jetman. We're like, it strains credulity to think that she would be able to pilot this motorcycle. And that but is yeah, the I unbelievable thing. Weird. The unbelievable right. thing is the motorcycle bit, not the giant like traffic light monster. <laughs> Um, all right, man, how about you, low point? Man, my low point this week is how concerned I am for Akko every time she does the wing cutter. <laughs> like, all they have to do is delay that wing getting back to her, like, a second, and that is it. Like, no more Blue Sparrow. Yeah, it's not, maybe not a great job. Super fun, though. I'm why. sure that toy was super fun to play with. Which, oh, yeah. Which okay. really, ultimately, isn't that the point of this show? Uh yeah, I I I I am fairly confident in saying that that is at least part of the point. Okay, do we have anything else? Uh I'm tapped, man. All right, that then is going to do it for another episode of the Jetman with the Golden Gun. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you wanted to get any updates on future episodes or get in touch with us on Twitter, we are at Bros. If you like the show, please remember that shining in the iTunes view section, there are five stars. Please rate, review, subscribe. That's what's going to help other people find the show and help us grow and thrive. And other words that are synonyms for those words. Uh, the Super Sentai Brothers are a production of the Retrograde Orbit Radio. Uh, once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>